So last week we started talking about worship, and when I say we started talking about worship, if you weren't here, we probably think we talked about singing and, and things that happened in the worship service. And I intentionally did not go there because I want to build the idea that worship takes place every day, everywhere we go. So we talked about daily worship, and we defined a few things and looked at a few things. There's a bit of review in your notes here, so let's look at that. Worship is to declare, or the word we used last week was to ascribe, to declare God's glory through speaking, listening, and actions. That's a bit of a different definition, but it says the same thing. When we give God glory through what we say, and through the attention we give something, and through our actions, when God receives glory in that process, that is actually worship. And, and, and I want us to get the idea that worship takes place all the time. Worship should be a goal. It should also be a natural response. So as we grow in our faith, as we mature as believers, we should be worshiping God because of who we are and because of what he's made us to be. Uh, a couple of scriptures we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So, so, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So we're talking about even the everyday, the mundane, the routine, eating and drinking. Whatever you do, going to work, raising your kids, working in your yard, going to your job every day, whatever you do. Even the exciting stuff, vacations, ministries, whatever it is. Do it to the glory of God. Do it in such a way that God receives glory. That's our correct response to what God's done for us. So it is a response as well. So there is no activity that can't bring glory to God in, in the right mindset. It will bring glory to God, and therefore it's worship. Romans 12.1 says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. We talked about a living sacrifice. The, the telltale characteristic of a living sacrifice is that a sacrifice is all in. There's no partial sacrifice. And to be a living sacrifice, it means that as you live your life, you're all in for whatever God has instructed you to do or has called you to. You're, you're all in. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take risks. I, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to live in places that are uncomfortable for Christians to live as a Christian. I'm going to be all in in my faith and all in in my response. And when we have that attitude, that's worship. So the big idea last week, it's big idea number one in your notes, worship takes place not only in church, but also in our homes, at our jobs, in our interactions, Within our attitudes, motives, and responses, so literally our thoughts, it takes place in my obedience and my spiritual investment. So many categories, and I think we could make that list very much longer if we wanted to. And today's big idea, what we're going to try to impress upon our hearts, if I am called to daily worship, which is the whole point last week, we are called to daily worship, what does that look like? So if I am called to daily worship, and it involves every aspect of my life, then I must realize that my daily life reflects how I am truly responding to God's love and mercy. So I can, 
I can figure out how well I'm worshiping by looking at how well I'm responding to God. And I can find out how well I'm responding to God by asking the question, does my daily life glorify Him? You feel the overlap. This is not a single subject. This subject actually involves a lot of different things. And, and we could probably be teaching on three or four or five different topics today and literally use the same scriptures because it, it overlaps so much. And so the, the scriptures you have below, and I think there's 12 of them in your notes, we're just going to look at them fairly quickly. And we're going to be looking for ways that we can honor God, ways that we can glorify God. What does this verse tell us? What clues are in these scriptures that let us know how to glorify God? So the scriptures are going to be on the screen because there's a lot of them, and I, and I wanted to highlight a few things. So the first one, Ephesians 4.29, go ahead and fill in the blank. It says, guard my tongue. Guard my tongue. And I want to say that when I guard my tongue, I'm bringing glory to God. Because my tongue never on its own goes to a place that glorifies God. I have to guard it. And I have to direct it. So Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So anytime I pre-listen to my own voice, anytime I review what I'm about to say and realize that's not going to come out well, that's not going to sound right, that's actually disobeying God by saying that. Anytime I catch myself ahead of time and I stop it, I am glorifying God. And I am worshiping Him. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is hell <laughs> excuse me, helpful. Choked on my own breath. Helpful. So when I have the opportunity to be helpful, to encourage, to express a loving attitude, to give good instruction, to share scripture or to pray, whenever what I say is helpful, I am glorifying God. I am I'm making him look better, or I'm revealing who he is in the sight of someone else who's participating, I'm glorifying God. I'm obeying him. That's glorifying God. So when I guard my tongue, I'm literally worshiping God. And, and, and you know, I want to I join this together. I'm not going to do this on every one of these, but I want to join together the idea that we are called to worship. Our response to what God has done should be to worship. He, Jesus died on the cross so that I, my sins could be forgiven, so that I could have eternal life. In response to those facts, I will worship God. The, the, the God created the universe knowing that mankind would sin, and, and still created the universe, and then made a way for forgiveness, offering his son as that sacrifice. In response to that truth, I will worship God. By the knowledge that God has so intervened in my own life that my very sins have been forgiven and I have a relationship with the Father through the Son and that I have eternal life, I will respond by worshiping. And it's easy to respond in, in, in the way we have been by singing, but I, I want us to realize and, and really intentionally take it to the next level and say, I'm going to respond by the way I live my life. 
So all these passages are really going to talk about the way we live our life. So just keep that in mind as we go through these. So number two, here's what you write in your blank. Make my heart a home for the Holy Spirit. In order to worship God in my daily life, I must make my heart a home for the Holy Spirit. And when I say home, I'm in a safe, comfortable, relaxing, relaxing, productive place. When I'm home, that should be the place where I'm safe, where I can let my guard down, where I can relax, where I can get things done. And, 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 and just think in, in those terms to think about how we want to allow the Holy Spirit to be. So Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, and any time we're not glorifying God, we're grieving Him. That means that when we're not obeying, when we know what God wants and we say no, when God gives us an instruction and we say, I think I know better, when, when we don't relate to people as God would have us relate to them, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're not making Him comfortable in our skin. We're not making him feel welcome in our life. We're not making him feel honored in our soul. And so that's grieving the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of a negative side of it. The positive side is we need to make him feel at home. We need to create an atmosphere inside of our own soul where the Holy Spirit is free to direct, free to suggest, free to illuminate Scripture. Number three... In order to worship God in my daily life, I must listen and respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, all kinds of stuff in here. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Wisdom is taking the information you have and using it correctly. So God has given us a lot of information in the scriptures, and he's got, given us a lot of information through other people. And we take that information, and when we apply it correctly, that's wisdom. So it says, be very careful. Think about how you're living. Don't live as unwise, but as wise. And when you're living as wise people, make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. They're the opposite of wisdom. Having the information, but ignoring it. That's foolishness. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Take the information you have. Apply it correctly, and you'll understand God's will. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that literally means be led by, be controlled by, be dominated by. The, the Holy Spirit feels at home in my soul, and He's leading. And then it says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. This is literally talking about church. This is what we've been doing. We've been speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Then it says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. We have corporate worship, and then we have personal worship. Personal, personal time with God while we're singing. And it says, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This whole passage is talking about what goes on inside our brain, inside our mind. I take in information. I filter it through Scripture. I listen to the Holy Spirit. And then I act on it wisely. In doing so, I honor God. 
And in honoring God, I'm worshiping him with my thoughts. And then I worship him with my actions. So I'm going to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. Number four in your notes, in order, for, in, in order to worship God in my daily life, I must make the gospel appealing to others. Make the gospel appealing to others. Colossians 4, 2, and then 5 through 6, says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Be wise in the way you act towards outside, outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So in, in, in my making the gospel appealing, I'm going to present myself as God's representative. I am going to be the salt and the light. I will be the ambassador. And I'm going to intentionally and knowingly live my life so that people can see who God is through me. And in doing so, God is worshipped. So it says, devote yourselves to prayer. When I devote myself to prayer, I, I, I understand and I admit and I acknowledge that I'm not going to do it right on my own. I need God to help me. I need the Holy Spirit to direct me. I need, I need scriptures to instruct me. And I need God to help me. So when I pray, I'm saying, God, I need your help. When I'm praying for others, I'm saying, God, they need your help. They may or may not need my help as you direct, but they definitely need your help. So I'm going to devote myself to prayer. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to pay attention to what's going on around me. And I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to give God credit for what he's done. Thank you, Lord, for this. Praise God for that. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. I'm going to take my knowledge of the outside world, what people believe, how they think, what the issues are in our society, um, what my neighborhood's like, what my town's like. I'm going to take all the information, and I'm going to be wise in how I approach people and how I talk to people and how I interact with people. I, I, I'm going to be God's light, and I'm going to do it on purpose. Wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. When I'm interacting with others, I'm going to approach them as if I might have something they want to know about. And hitting them over the head is not the best approach. Punching them in the gut is not the best approach. I'm not going to do that with my words or my actions. I, I'm going to approach them with a conversation that leads down a path to the truth. Sometimes I don't just want to throw the truth down on them. I want to lead them to the truth so they can discover it. It's going to be full of grace and seasoned with salt. The next one, number five, in order to worship God in my daily life, I must study, learn, and protect God's word. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 18 says, Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Interesting that it talks about quarreling about words in the beginning 
And then it ends with godless chatter, which overlap and maybe even the same thing. It says, don't, don't be paying attention to people that are just talking a lot, that are, are just throwing words around, maybe just arguing. Instead, do your best. Put your effort forth. Do your due diligence. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Make sure you're doing it the right way. Make sure that you're on the right side. Okay? And who correctly handles the word of truth. Who, who reads God's word to understand it, studies God's word to understand it, and then puts that understanding into practice. Correctly handles the word of truth. Uses it the way it was intended. So we honor God and we glorify God when we study God's word and we protect God's word. We protect God's word from those who want to change it, to twist it, to reinterpret it, to erase part of it and fill in another part. We protect God's word from, from that kind of false teaching. We are glorifying God. Number six, we glorify God by being devoted to God's family, the church. In Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These are all church-related things. They were taught by the apostles who were taught by Christ. They had fellowship with one another, spending their lives together, living together, interacting together. The breaking of bread, they were feeding each other, they were enjoying meals together. That's not a reference to communion. And to prayer, they prayed together. They were living life together as a group of believers. They were devoting themselves to that. They were committed to it. The other verse for that one is, let us hold unswervingly, okay, without compromise, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think we see the day approaching more and more. This is the, the day of Christ's return. The world is, is primed and ready for Christ to return. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to spur one another on, encourage each other, teach one another, challenge one another, help one another onto love and good deeds, comma, not giving up meeting together. This gathering has to be a priority. The, the system that God has created to reach the world does not work if the church is not meeting. That, that was the travesty of, of much of the COVID response. The church quit meeting, and it set the church back a lot. The corporate American church, the worldwide church, because strength comes from being together. Strength comes from worshiping together, praying together, spurring one another on, helping each other out with a variety of things. And, and we, we saw that very clearly. And, and, and so we can even in our own testimony say that it is important to be together. I like to say it like this. Sunday morning church attendance should be the dark ink thing on your calendar. And it should be something really, really important before you change and do something else on a Sunday morning. That's just the way it has to be. That's the way God has designed it to be. 
And it, it may sound like somebody's telling you what to do, and it may sound like I'm self-serving because I get to stand up front and talk. But I've been around a long time, and I've seen a lot of things happen. And being together on Sunday morning makes the body work. And when the body works, we're all better off. That's why it's important. So we need to be devoted to God's family, the church. Number seven, in order to worship God in my daily life, I need to be all in to be used by God as he so chooses. We've referenced this scripture several times in the last couple weeks. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you want to see the results spiritually that you see in the Bible people, or you see in someone else, if you want to see the results in your own life that you've been praying for, then you, you kind of got to be that living sacrifice. Where God says jump, and you say how high. When he says move left, you say how far. When he says move right, you say how far. When he says stop, you say okay. When he says go, you say right away. When he, he instructs, and he directs, and he moves, and he plans, and, and you're in the program, you're not evaluating every decision he makes to see if you agree or not, or if you want to go along or not. You go where God takes you. The living sacrifice is all in, not partially in. And he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in response to who God is and what he's done, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Be all in spiritually, holy and pleasing to God. That's part of our daily worship. Number eight, in order to worship God in my daily life, I must behave appropriately among the believers. Behave appropriately among the believers. And I, I intentionally said among the believers because a lot of people are turned off or turned on by the way believers treat one another. And, and if someone comes to the church and we're bickering, why would they want to join us? Right? This, I, I encourage visitors to come to church I encourage unsafe people to come to church, not because I'm going to share the gospel every Sunday, and not because my teaching is going to get them saved somehow, but when you come to church, you get to watch Christians in their own environment. And if we're doing what God wants us to do, acting the way God wants us to act, serving Him the way we're supposed to serve, then they will see God in and through us. So visitors are welcome because that's where God is on display through his people in church. And that's the way it should work. The scripture says, Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now, this is much less a commentary on what men and women should do and be like. It is a commentary on how church is supposed to operate. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's talking to Timothy about the church, and he's identified two issues in the church in Ephesus. Here are two issues in the church in Ephesus, an issue that the men were struggling with and an issue that the women were struggling with. The men like to argue. He said, I want the man everywhere to pray, 
lifting up holy hands. I want them to pray and worship. I want them to participate. I want them to do the spiritual things. And I want them to do it without anger or disputing. What is the anger and the disputing about? Everyone wanting to do it their way. Because their way is the best way. Doesn't that sound like how men operate? I mean, it's true. A lot of times, yeah, yeah, I've kind of noticed that once or twice. We get hard-headed. And, and, you know, I've been in meetings where a church is trying to make a decision and trying to come up with something fantastic and excellent. I remember going to meetings to try to produce a, a vision statement and, and a, a, a statement about the church that we can put on all of our, all our flyers and all of our documents and on the side of our van that would just make people want to be a part of our church because we wrote it and it's so good. And we spend hours and hours and hours debating, arguing, talking, to come up with a statement with all the perfect words that when anyone else outside the room reads it, they have no idea what it said. <laughs> and, and, and failed. Because we disputed and we argued and maybe even got angry. You know, when we made these kinds of statements for our church, we just took them from Scripture like, God already said it, and he did a really good job. Let's just use what he said. And that's what we did. So the men need to quit arguing, and they need to start doing the spiritual stuff, praying and worshiping. The women, their issue was trying to draw attention to themselves in, in the worldly ways. Not, not with modesty and, and making themselves fancy, if you will, adorning themselves. Elaborate hairstyles, gold and pearls and expensive clothes. This was the way of the culture. You showed how important you were by the clothes you wore and the jewelry and how fancy and dolled up you were. And people that were saved out of that culture brought it into the church. And Paul says, no, that's not what it's all about. Stop doing that. If you want to be noticed and admired, be noticed and admired for being a woman of God. Okay? Appropriate for women who profess to know God. He wants them to be different than the world. He wants men to be different from the world. And in church, this should be different than the world. This has been a, a really exciting experience for me the whole time I've been here. Because we have always moved forward together. We've not made a decision that, that, that one group won over another group. We have, we have come together and made all our decisions together and moved forward together. And it's been really really nice it's been it's been relaxing it's honoring to god so how we treat each other is honoring to god especially in the church number nine we honor god in our daily lives we worship god in our daily lives by being active in the worship service by being active in the worship service ephesians 5 19 this is, oh, we've already read this, but now we're going to highlight this little part of it. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs to the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. We are literally to actively participate. We're not, we're not called to stand because it's polite, but not participate. I'd rather you stood to be polite than not stand at all, but I'd rather you participated. I'd rather that when we all prayed, you prayed. When, when we take time to greet each other and shake hands and encourage one another, 
we all take time to do that. We go find two or three people. The introverts can find two or three. The extroverts can find 13 or 14. Okay, it'll all work out. When it's, when it's time to open up our word and read the scriptures and fill in our notes, we should do that. And when we're singing, we should be singing. It says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't say you have to be good. It says, make a joyful noise. And, and, and we, we sing to God and we proclaim these things. We say them to each other and we say them to God. So we speak through the, through the music and we sing in our heart. So I, I bring God glory by being active in the, in the worship service. Number 10, I bring God glory by allowing my music to feed me spiritually. Allowing my music to feed me spiritually. Now I'm going to take this out of the church. I'm going to take this into your home and into your car. Okay, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. That same phrase shows up again. Singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Let the message of Christ dwell in you. Be a part of you. Go with you everywhere you go. Most of us, everywhere we go, we take our car with us. When we're home, we have it at home. Your smartphone can take all the Christian music you need with you. And so we're going to choose music that teaches and admonishes. Helps me grow closer to God. Helps me remember who God is. Helps me gather the information that Scripture reveals about our Savior. And I'm going to do it through hymns and, and, and psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. And there's all kinds of people who think they can define those terms. Basically, Paul's just saying all the music. All the music. Use your music to be a discipleship tool and sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I can allow my music to feed me spiritually. You know what? When you uh, give somebody a ride in your car and, and you turn it on and the radio instantly comes on, what's your first thought? Oh, no. <laughs> Need to turn it off. Change stations quickly. Or is your thought, oh, I'm listening to Christian music. I hope they're hearing it too. That's the difference. What, what, is, what is your common everyday, how are you using your music to feed yourself? When you choose to use your music to feed yourself spiritually, you're honoring God. Number 11, trust God's word for holy living. Trust God's word. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's pretty straightforward. The, the connotation here, the thing we're supposed to take from this, is that having God's word in my heart will help me not sin. It will help me not sin. So when I memorize God's word, when I read God's word, when I listen to someone teaching about God's word, and it goes into my mind, and it, it sinks in, and it stays there, and it becomes part of my thought process, then when the opportunity comes and Satan tempts me, that, that word of God will just come up. I may not even quote it, but the principle will be there. The command will be there. And I will know, no, this is not what I want to do. And God says, I'll provide a way out when temptation comes. And sometimes the way out is the memory of God's word, the instruction. And you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to respond that way. I'm not going to participate in that activity. I've hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Whenever I trust God's word... 
to direct the way I live, that's honoring to God. It's bringing worship to Him. And number 12, I honor God, I worship God in my daily life by seeing others the way God sees them. James 2.8, if, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your enemies as yourself, you're doing right. You know, let, let, love, your, love your neighbor as yourself, that's in there all over the place. I just picked one I haven't used in a while. It's in there all over the place. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that makes us different. It's the thing that, that if we can master this, like it says, we fulfill the law. We, we do the things we're supposed to do. And when I interact with other people the way God would interact with them, then I'm honoring him and I'm, I'm worshiping him and I'm serving him. I do all things in obedience. I do all these things, everything we talked about. I can do them out of obedience, out of respect, and out of gratitude, and I should. Those are motivations to do all these things. But I also do them to glorify God. My response to who God is is to glorify him. So that's why I obey respect and have gratitude. And it's all worship. It's all worship. So here's your application. Number one, and the, the number one, these all go together. It's one long paragraph here. Take God with me everywhere I go. Maintain conscious awareness that he is with me at all times. Think in every situation, what would Jesus ask me to do right now? Listen to the answer and then act upon it. So I've just given you 12 things, and in those 12 things, probably overlap to 20 things. We've talked about 20 things that I can, I can activate in my daily life that will honor God, that will please Him, that will bring Him glory, and I need to take these things with me. I'm taking them to the car with me. I'm taking them from the car to the job. I'm taking them from the job to my after-work activities and back home again. I'm taking them with me everywhere I go. I'm thinking about them, and I'm following them. That's, that's how I make this happen. Number two, I intentionally take steps to make number one more likely to become the norm in my life. So I have regular attendance and participation in church services and small groups. I have mental stimulation that feeds the Holy Spirit and transforms my mind. That might be books, that might be music, that might be podcasts. I'm going to help, I'm going to transform my mind by feeding it godly things. See, I'm going to find a way to insert God's word in my daily life until it's a habit. I can insert God's word by reading it. I can insert God's word by studying it myself, by listening to podcasts, listening to other, other sermons. I'm going to get God's word into my life until it's a habit. But when I miss it, when I skip, I miss it. It bothers me. And the D, I'm going to cultivate friendships and relationships that bring spiritual strength. Cultivate. I'm going to work on them. I'm going to make them stronger. I'm going to invest in those friendships. Not just the convenient friendships, because they're close by. Okay? Not just the ones that, that fall into place. But I'm going to seek out and I'm going to cultivate friendships that help me glorify God with my life. And then, number three, I'm going to increase my daily verbal praise as a, re as a response to God and a reminder of myself. And what I mean by that is, like, I'm literally going to say out loud, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And, and I'm literally going to pray about things. 
out loud when it's appropriate, in my own heart when it's more appropriate that way. Like, I'm literally going to do these things. Like, my words will reflect my attitude and my actions. So, that was a lot of stuff. That was as much as I could possibly cram into the time I was allotted. A lot of stuff. What I want you to do is I want you to, to take home with you the idea that I can glorify God all day, every day, everywhere I go, and in everything I do. And I want you to realize that matters. That matters. Your life will be better. The Holy Spirit will be livened in your, in your heart. God will be pleased. So we're going to end our service with this prayer at the bottom in your notes. It's on the screen. This is how we start. I believe I should always respond to God with worship. Help me worship God daily. Let's pray that together and then I'll close. I believe I should always respond to God with worship. Help me worship God daily. Lord God, we have said so many things. My jaw hurts. Lord, I just pray that the right part sinks into the right heart. That the right scripture will find its place in the mind to help direct our thoughts and our activities so that on a daily basis we're worshiping you. We're not going to be able to do all these things, but we can do some of them well and we can do more of them better. So help us day by day to realize that everywhere we go, in everything we do, in every interaction we have, we have the opportunity to glorify you. And in doing so, we're worshiping you. And that's kind of what you've called us to do. And there's so many benefits. Help us in this area, Lord. Help us just to respond to you correctly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.